It's time to kickstart your confidence. In this podcast, you will hear open and honest interviews with business owners and like-minded people who have struggled and then how they've overcome their own issues. Listen to their real-life struggles and personal accounts of how they've changed their lives and continue to do so on a daily basis. Get rid of stress, own your own space and thoughts. It's time to take control, feel your personal health and well-being improve as you travel with us on this journey. And now your host, former British champion, owner and chief instructor of Hastings Kickboxing Academy and third Dan Black Belt, Carl Denning. Good morning, it's Carl here, how you doing? So today I wanna to talk about my car journey. So I'm 41 years old and I've just done a live on Facebook, so it's prompted me to do a podcast on it. But first of all, I'd like to apologize to all my listeners because I try and do one every week and I pretty much have done for the last year and a half, but the last couple of weeks I've been building a new gym next door to my gym we've expanded and um, it's really taken up quite a lot of time more time than i uh, anticipated and it's not that i've forgotten to be able to do the podcast but i've just been so bolted down with work and like managing the both units and still trying to run the business and all the staff we've had four weeks of summer camps we've had loads of kids in as well uh, for four weeks um, so if I'm honest, my podcast has took a bit of a sidestep. So first, first of all, I'd like to apologise for that, uh, my listeners. And this one is going to be, say, the, our conf- the podcast is around confidence. And over 24 years of driving, because I'm 41, I've had 24 cars, ironically. And a lot of people ask me about my business and how, I, how, can I, how have I swapped my car so many times and how have I lost or have I lost so much money? And for a lot of my first cars, I didn't actually lose money, I made money. But there is a bit of a story behind it. So if you're interested in the story, please keep listening and I will tell you how it went. So, when I was 17, 1997, I brought a Vauxhall Astra Merit 1.3. And I actually brought that when I was 16. So I got my, my license, I ordered my license you know, six months before I could turn 17 to have my license in place. Um, on my 17th birthday, I'd done my driving uh, my written test, theory test, and I brought an Astra early, and I, typical boy, you know, I changed the seats for SRI seats, um, I put a new front bumper on it, I changed the alloys, changed the exhaust, as you do when you're 17, you're a bit of a boy, um, but it was actually off-road, so when I passed my test, I actually, first car I drove on the road, um, I passed, passed first time, by the way, thanks for asking, um, was my dad's BMW 528 SE, um, it's a bit of an old car, but Again, for your first car on the road, for the first couple of days, it was a pretty pretty cool car to be driving. Now my Astra didn't have central locking, didn't have electric windows, didn't have a sunroof, didn't have aircon. So for the people that are listening now, the cars will get that completely standard, don't they? You know, had wind down windows, no sunroof. Um, I actually brought aftermarket uh, wheels for it, 15 inch alloys, five spoke alloys. And all my friends were like, oh my God, you're crazy. Crazy putting it, putting them on your car. And it's like, why? And they were 600 pound back then as well, which is an insane amount of money. Um, but that's what I wanted. I had that car a year and um, I actually took it, I'd sold it. I took a hundred pound deposit on it on the Friday. And then the Saturday morning I was pulling out of a junction and a lady was indicating to come off from a main into a minor road. So I was like, oh, she's indicating. So I went, because it was a busy road, A21 in Hastings, um, but she didn't turn. 
So she just drove straight into the side of me, which of course wrote the car off. Um, her Mercedes one, my Astra zero, which was really upsetting at the time. Now I paid, again back then, Christ, I paid like 1300 pounds for the car. It was a D-Reg 96, <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Um, so rather than let the insurance company take it away and then give me like a pound for it, because that's pretty much what it's worth, we actually stripped it down and sold it. Now, I didn't make money, but I didn't lose money. I ended up selling the parts for about 12, 1300 pounds. Ironically, the interior, the alloys, uh, the bits and pieces that I put on it. So when you actually break it down, I'd had the car a year, I'd written the car off and I still managed to break even. So rather than just going, oh, I can't be bothered. And this is kind of where the entrepreneurial side of my life automatically kicks in. I, I always sit there and go, how can I make money? How can I not lose money? How can I help people out? What, where's their deal to be had? And I, I kind of do that with pretty much everything that I do. So I'd ripped my car off, so I needed a new car. So I then brought a um, Volkswagen Schrocko 1.6. And again, I brought it off my friend. It was worth about a thousand pound. And he was desperate for money, absolutely desperate. And I didn't actually want the car. So I jokingly said to him, I'll give you 300 quid. He's like, yeah, fine, I'll take it. And I actually felt really guilty because it was a good friend of mine. Um, and he was desperate for money. I can't even remember what it was for. I think it was for buying a, a home amplifier or something like that. Or he owed his mum money or something ridiculous but I offered him stupid money just because a that's all the money I had and b I didn't really want the car and he took the deal so I was like ah oh, fantastic so I kept that for about three months and then I was offered a Vauxhall Belmont SRI 130 which was a big step up quite a fast car um, it's based in uh, an Astra GT with a boot um, at the time I didn't realise but it had been lowered with you know, an exhaust and induction kit. Again, I know I sound like a right boy racer at the moment, but this is what I was like when I was 17 or 18. And so I managed to trade my Scirocco in for 900 quid and the Belmont was 1100 quid. So all of a sudden, I was like, okay, brilliant. I only paid 300 and I've traded it in, so I only had to find another couple of hundred quid. So it actually worked out really well. And I won't go through every single one of my cars because that will then take another 25 minutes but from then i then started thinking actually this is quite a good way of kind of making money now ironically we blew the engine up when i say we my dad actually borrowed the car and blew the engine up on my sri but we ended up putting a, a newer more powerful engine in it which obviously then made it quite modified so i then managed to trade that in for a leon two liter eight valve and then i went on to a golf diesel don't ask me why i'd done that and then I started to really trade my cars um, over the next couple of years. Um, and I started to travel. So what I actually started to notice was, for example, if you went up to Birmingham, Manchester, or even further, you could buy a car much, much, much cheaper than you could down south. So I live in a house Hastings on the south coast. Um, but if you went uh, to, say, Birmingham or further, then cars were a lot cheaper. So the BMW, the Sitley and Cupra, the Sitley and Cupra are, they were all up north. So I got the train up there, traveled up there, found a good deal, and then obviously drove it all the way back. And then when you resell it again, back down south, again, you keep it for a year. If you're lucky, you make a bit of money. If not, you kind of break even, but to own a car for a year and break even is, again, most people don't do that. So that's you know, quite a good result. And then moving forward, I had a few more cars. I had a certainly in Cooper R 225, but it was fully modified and it come with a spare engine and a few other bits and pieces. 
So actually what happened is I sold the spare engine that come with it, which I actually got two and a half grand for, which was, I didn't expect to get that much, um, which obviously takes quite a lot of top line off the price that I paid. Plus there's a few other bits in with the deal as well. Um, so we actually made really good money. So that's the car I had. And then throughout this time, obviously, um, so obviously, I bought a house when I was, I moved out when I was 15, 16 with Jenny, my girlfriend. Um, and then she was paying a load of money on rent. So I, end, I ended up saying to her, why are we paying 500 pound a month on rent? Why don't we get a mortgage, which will be 500 pound? Because mortgages were like 8% back then. But it kind of made sense to get a mortgage. All my friends were going out drinking, spending money on their cars. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I'm going to um, spend plenty of money on the house instead. So I kind of sat with my cars there. Jumped forward a few years. So we had the Cupra R, which was, which was a beautiful car. One of my dream cars as a kid. Obviously one of my dream cars was an RS6 or a Ferrari, but let's be honest, there's no way I was going to afford that at the time. So I had my dream car of what I wanted. Uh, we got married, we had children. We bought a, a nice three bedroom detached house for, which considering we were only 22, 23 at the time when we bought the house. Uh, then we had our daughters when we were 23 and 24. So we were quite young. We had a nice little house, nothing amazing, but you know, a lot of my friends were still living at home or in flats. So to have a, a three bedroom house and a, a nice sports car at that age was great. And then my world was pulled apart and we ended up splitting up and getting divorced. So I ended up moving to a caravan. Now for me, I am a petrol head. I love my cars. I, I hate that I love my cars at times because um, you know, it can be quite a drain. But however, I loved my cars. So I went from having a Citroen Cooper R225 to, and living with wife, kids in a house, to living in a caravan, because that's all I could afford. And I ended up driving a Fiesta 950 Popular in green that cost me like 200 quid. So I'd gone from this beautiful car that I loved um, to, uh, no offense if you do drive a green Ford Fiesta 950 Popular, um, and I think it was a B reg at the time as well. What's that? Like a 1982 or something? Um, like my world had ended, <laughs> like fully ended. That was that was the bottom of the barrel as far as I'm concerned. And I, at that point, I vowed I would never, ever, ever <laughs> get to that point again in my life. Now some people might say how how shallow and how sad, but I don't drink, I don't smoke, I live at the gym, and I, I love cars and I love motorbikes. So. You know, for me, that was the epitome of the bottom of hell. So I very quickly thought, right, I'm going to start trading again. This time I was single, so I had even more time and power to try and make deals. So I swapped the Fiesta for a Peugeot 405. I then swapped it again for a, a Vauxhall Vectra Estate. And that's kind of when I found my love for estates as well, as sad as that sounds. And then my next good deal was a Skyline R32 GTS 4. And again, I only paid like £2,000 for it because it had front end written off. And then again, I started to trade up again. So I swapped that for a few bits, um, sold a few parts from that. I then brought a, another Seat Leon. Um, and then from there, I probably had six or seven Seats. Again, I won't bore you with all of them. Um, but there was, there was lots of Seats, which I loved. I had a really good friend that worked at Seats. It was really easy for me to get parts as well. So I could buy ones that just needed a few bits get the parts really cheap, get them all fitted, keep it for three to six months and then move it on. Um, but then my biggest money maker, but also the most exciting thing was I, um, I brought a Westfield, so a Caterham 7 two-seater uh, off a friend of my brother's. So he was at college, at, no, he was at university at the time and he wanted 
um, £8,000 for it, which was not a bad price. And I nearly bought it and I was like, no, it's too much money, I can't buy it. I don't really have it, so I kind of waited. And then he said, I'll give me six grand for it, I need the money. So I was like, nope, no, I don't want it. Anyway, two weeks later, he wrote it off. He went into a lamppost, lost control and smashed the front end up. So really long story short, I'd hire a van, take two friends up with me, we had to go and pick it up. But I only ended up paying two grand for it and it come with a spare shell. So we then spent a year rebuilding it, stripping it down. So it was really good fun, a lot of stress as well. I ended up fully rebuilding. Uh, the Westfield and then I had it a few months and a good friend of mine's mechanic as well who helped me Chris Langley at Langley's Garage big shout out to him we then changed the engine from a Fireblade 900 to a ZX12R and I said to him will that fit in he said yeah of course it will so I said to him go on then and he's like what I said well no way you go so it did take six months and lots of stress and lots of custom work to make it fit but we rebuilt it and again, going further on from that, so I paid two and a half grand, two grand plus bits. I sold some bits that so kind of owed me about two and a half. Then spent about two grand modifying it with the new engine and sort of all the custom welding and exhaust and bits and pieces. So it probably owed me about four and a half at the top end. Um, and I sold it for £10,000. So that was a massive profit. Good fun, good hard work, lots of stress, lots of late nights. Absolute awesome weapon as far as vehicles go um, if you've never driven one i recommend you go and drive one because they are unbelievable certainly if you get one with a bike engine because they rev like well like a motorbike really um so i sold that and i was like no I, that's it i'm kind of done with working on cars and i'm done with toys and then i ended up buying a fd3 as a drift car uh, a mazda the mazda can't remember I'm sure it was mazda yeah fd3 um and again, I spent a load of time on that because I got bored with it. I wanted more power, bigger turbos, ECUs. And once again, I, I, I had to pick it up on a trailer. We had to spend a weekend going to get it. Again, that was only £2,000. And then I sold that for nine and a half a year later. Now, the reason I sold that, and to be honest, I wish I never sold it, but the reason I sold that car was I was buying a house. Long story short, it fell through a couple of times. We lost a little bit of money on the house we were selling and we, we just needed another 10 grand to buy the house that we were buying. And I'd kind of sold all the other toys. I had a couple of jet skis, again, buy them in the winter when they're cheap, sell them in the summer when they're expensive. So that's another little kind of entrepreneurial thing that I used to do, which I'll go on to that in probably another podcast. But I had to sell the car, I was gutted, but it did mean that I managed to get back on the property ladder with my new wife. Um, and obviously now we've got, a, again, a nice little three-bedroom house. Nothing amazing, but it's, we're back, in, back on the market and, you know, back on having our own house again rather than renting. So that was a necessary thing, but it was nice because in them two cars, I made quite a bit of money in, in two years, plus I had two really cool cars to drive. But the main thing for that is really is doing the work that other people can't be bothered to do. Same as like when you buy a house, people can't be bothered to renovate, paint, put new kitchens in, new bathrooms, new toilets, etc. So if you want to make money, you're gonna have to do the work. If you can't be bothered to do the work, then guess what? You're not gonna get the deals. So one of the cars that we've got, which I've still got, is a Renault 5 GT Turbo, but we had to drive to the north of Scotland and we done it in like 30 hours. Literally drove up there, put it on a trailer, loaded the van up with all the bits, and then drove it back. I mean, it's still a shell. It's still sitting in my friend's garage. We have done nothing with it for the last two years. But 
they are worth so much money. Uh, it doesn't matter if it takes us another five years to complete the job. It's, um, it's a phenomenal car and it will be when it's finished. Um, and we will make a lot of money on that when, it, when we finally get around to doing it. Um, jump forward a few more years. Oh, that's when I then got into my estates. I was running the business, having to move a lot of stuff about. Cars didn't cut it. A friend of mine let me drive his uh, three litre Quattro um, Triptronic. And that was the first time I jumped into an auto and I was like, oh, this is cool. So I'd driven loads of autos and they were terrible. Excuse the seagulls. Um, seagulls are having a fight above my head because um, I live on the seafront. So my friend of mine, I didn't want to drive it. I was like, no, it's an auto. I'm a manual person. I love manuals. I'm really not interested in an auto because they're rubbish. And he forced me to drive it around a block. I drive it around a block and I was like, wow. And again, if you're older, you'll be like, no, autos are brilliant. Um, if you're a younger person, then you'll understand what I mean by having a geared car with a clutch. So from then, I basically just kept with autos because I loved them. So I had an Audi A4, a Mercedes C220, an Audi S line, 190. I then brought an RX-8 as a toy, another um, I paid like 300 quid for that and then sold it for like three and a half grand. Um, again, spent a bit of money on it, modifying it. Um, my wife has a BMW 440iM Sport convertible. I then got bored of my Audi and then brought Mercedes shooting brake CLA AMG, which was an absolute monster, but I only had it about six weeks um, and I hated it. For everyday driving around town, the four wheel drive system on it wasn't particularly good because it's not a four wheel drive system. Um, it was bumpy and horrible. I guess I'm getting old, aren't I? I'm 40, so I don't want anything quite as Larry now. Um, and then I've swapped it for a Mercedes E-Class 200 Estate AMG line, which I absolutely love. I've had that a year and a half. But one of my reasons I wanted to do this podcast is because I am, um, I get bored after about a year, year and a half, obviously, from the, the list of cars that I've just gone through for the last 15 minutes. And I'm, I'm in a position now, so my Mercedes, it was 57 grand off the forecourt, um, when I went back with the AMG, I was looking at the, the E-Class 200 and the sales guy was like, oh, so you're looking at that? And I was like, yeah. Um, and it, it was up for 33 and, sorry, my phone's ringing, shut that up. So it was up for 33, it was up for 36 and I dropped it to 33. And I was really unhappy because I had a load of bad luck with the AMG shooting brake that I had. So they kind of felt... I wouldn't say sorry for me, but they felt guilty because basically it was in the garage like four or five times over about six weeks. So as, as it was in the garage getting some more work done, I was looking at the E-Class and the sales guy there. I kind of knew him by this point because I've been there so many bloody times. I said to him, I'm, I'm just pissed off with it. I'm bored with it. I want to get rid of it. And he said, well, I see you looking at the, the, the E-Class. I was like, yeah, can I take it out for a drive? So I took it out for a drive and I really liked it. Obviously, it was underpowered, certainly against the the aim the 45 AMG and um, I said how much do you want for it and he's like well let me speak to my manager hey my cut a long story short uh, so it was up for 36 they dropped it to 33 and I, I can't even believe this he said if you take it today he said I can have it for 26 and a half I was like wow um, where's the paperwork where's the keys <laughs> you can have the and he says and he, he was like really I was like yes 100% that's how much I dislike the 45 so have the 45 back and I'll take that this afternoon. Um, and again, a lot of people kind of look at the car I've got and they will go, oh my God, like, because it's only 18 months old. When I brought it, it was three months old, ex-demonstrator with, I think, 1,500 miles on the clock. But off the forecourt, it's a 57 grand car and I only paid 26 for it. 
I've had it a year and a half and I had it valued last week at 24 and a half. So although I've lost money on it, if you, if you calculate that over the year and a half that I've had it and then divide it by what it's cost me, the actual monthly payment on it is actually quite low. If I was to buy that car on a PCP or a lease, at that value, I'd be paying about £500 a month for that vehicle, and it's cost me absolutely nowhere near that. Um, but people will look at the car, they'll look at the age of the car, and they instantly go, oh my God, it's only a year old, that's nearly a £60,000 car. Um, and I only paid 26 for it. And I, the reason I say these figures is, I don't want to be one of them, oh, I paid £26,000. Um, it's just, this podcast is about... Um, making money, losing money, making profit on vehicles, because again, most people lose a lot of money on cars. I've got a lot of friends that, so they'll buy, um, it doesn't really matter if it's a Ford Mondeo or a Range Rover or a Skyline, you know, that they'll pay X for it and then they'll pay Y or they'll sell it for Y and they'll end up losing so much money in depreciation. So I try and, even when I'm buying something nicer that, that I will lose a little bit of money on, I try and find a deal. So instead of buying a brand new car, you buy one that's six months old, that's an ex-demonstrator. Or, you know, you buy a two-year-old one and then you pick your time when you buy it. So choosing when you buy your car. So for example, buy a four by four in the summer when no one wants them, sell it in the winter when everyone thinks it's gonna snow and they need it and it's wet and, you know, there's more use for a four by four. No different to a convertible. If you buy one in the winter, when no one is thinking about buying a convertible. And then if you sell it while having a heat wave, then you'll get a lot more money when you come to sell it because everyone is rushing and pushing to buy a convertible because in the British, the sun comes out for a week and we all go mental, don't we? So you all start buying swimming pools and hot tubs and convertibles for the whole week of sun that we get. Um, but buying at the right time, so buying when a new plate comes out, for example, obviously the, the cars that come out on that year and they haven't sold, because the new ones have come out, they're then desperate to get rid of old stock. So you'll get a fantastic deal. Another time, a week before Christmas. Again, no one's thinking about buying cars because you're thinking about Christmas. So all the car dealers do fantastic deals, uh, you know, a week before Christmas. Um, that's how we brought Chardet's car. We got so much money off it because we brought it Christmas Eve. Um, and it's near, it's near enough worth the same amount of money. And we've had that, you know, a good two years. Now, admittedly, the second-hand car market has gone up in price. So there you go, that's kind of my journey in cars. And I wanted to explain that on this podcast because a lot of people ask me about it um, and about having confidence in doing deals and believing in yourself and kind of be prepared to do what other people aren't prepared to do. So I, I know people that won't even drive 10 miles to go and look at a car, let alone, you know, halfway across the country or even fly so I know people that fly to Scotland fly to Spain and then drive a car back because you get the right deal don't get me wrong it's a big risk and you could get there and it could be not what you wanted to buy or there could be an issue with it so it is there are lots of risks and you do swallow a lot of time and it can be a lot of stress but if you're prepared to do what others aren't then you um you could end up with a really good bargain and you could end up making money instead of losing money on vehicles so I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, one of the other reasons I've done that is because uh, BMW have just asked me, morning, have just asked me to come and test drive their new uh, BMW. Um, complete change to what I'm used to in respect to what the car is. I'm not gonna say what it is yet because everyone's gonna be really surprised. 
but um, yeah, they want me to come and have a look at it as well. Uh, and I've actually got it for 24 hours. So I'm quite excited about that next week. Um, and ironically, yesterday, Mercedes, their ears must have been burning because they rung me saying, oh, have you seen the new um, GQC and GQA? Are you interested? And I was like, well, actually, ironically, BMW have just asked me to come and have a look. So I guess it might be a toss up between the two. But I do love my Mercedes. I, it's a phenomenal car. I do love them as cars. Um, but I'm just getting a bit bored of it now because I've had it a year and a half. So there you go. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Um, please leave some comments below. Um, I'm actually going through learning how to ride motorbikes at the moment as well. So I've just done my Mod 1 and gone through my CBT. So very soon I might even be looking at some motorbikes as well because it's in my blood. So hope you enjoyed this one, guys. Take care. And remember, it's not just a sport, it's my life. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's chat, have any questions or feedback for us, or would like to be on one of our podcasts, leave a review and we will happily get back to you. If you would like more details on how Hastings Kickboxing Academy can help you or a family member, find all our contact details in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe to HKA's Kickstart Your Confidence podcast. And remember, it's not just a sport, it's a way of life. Thank you.